Well, this is a, a weird Sunday for me today um, because this week I was preparing for the sermon. And normally what I do is I just sit in the pew and pray and wait to hear what God is going to tell me to preach on uh, on that Sunday. And I shared that with Pastor John a couple weeks ago, and then he busted me out this last Sunday and said I was lazy. So if you missed the sermon last week, you've missed the joke for the start. And that's how the rest of the sermon's going to be. So when I was a, a newer chaplain, I was always trying to figure out how to get more soldiers to show up to my chapel services. And... <clears throat> Especially when we were out doing uh, field training exercises or when we were out at the weapons qualification ranges. And I was trying to figure out, how do I get more soldiers to show up to my services? And what I noticed is, especially during colder weather and uh, during inclement weather, there was always some kind of a shelter set up. And it was for, um, we're working on the buzz, right? Okay. Um, it's not just me. But there was always some kind of a warming shelter or a um, just something to keep people out of the rain. And there would be coffee or soup or, or something that was helping the soldiers stay warm, stay out of the weather. You know, it was, it was just a shelter. It wouldn't, it wouldn't keep the wind off of you, but it would keep the rain off of you. And then I also noticed that the smokers also got some special privileges. They had like a little smoking pit, and then they had a nice shelter over them too. Did I have a shelter? I did not have a shelter. I was not given a shelter. So what I started doing is I started having my chapel services right there by all the smokers and those who were drinking coffee and soup. They were all close together. And I said, hey, look, you guys don't have to go anywhere, but I'm about to do chapel service. Feel free to stick around. And so as people were there, you know, smoking or drinking coffee or eating soup, I was like, hey, just, you know, keep it down. I'm about to do chapel service. You're more than welcome to listen. And so they always got to hear the message of Jesus every time I was doing a chapel service. And hey, wouldn't you know, my numbers boosted right up. So this Sunday marks a, a new sermon series on why smoking is bad for you. No, it's, it's not. I'm, I'm pretty sure it is, um, but that's not the sermon. We're going to be going, uh, Pastor John and I are going to be going over Matthew chapter 5. Uh, verses 1 through 12, and we're looking at the Beatitudes. And many of you guys pronounce it Beatitudes, but, you know, the Beatitudes, I think, is really how you're supposed to uh, say that. In fact, when I was at my last church in Minnesota, you know, young youth pastor or whatever, I really wasn't a young youth pastor, I was just a newer uh, youth pastor. And uh, I was doing the sermon in Philemon, and then I kept saying one's a miss, you know, one's a miss, one's a miss. And the people kept looking at me all weird. And then after the service, I was like, what were you doing? It's Onesimus. I'm like, no, it's one's a miss. They're like, no, it's, it's Onesimus. So it's the Beatitudes today. All right. So the reason I told you that story first about doing chapel services and trying to include other people is because this is essentially the backdrop of Jesus teaching his disciples and including the enormous crowd that is around him. We're going to go and look. Jesus had just called his disciples. They had been following him 
all through Galilee. He had been with them. And as we see in chapter 4, verses 23 through 25, it says, Jesus was teaching in their synagogues. He was proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. And news about him spread all over Syria. The people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, suffering, severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and healed them. Large crowds followed him, or large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. Now, I wish that I could say that people were being drawn to all my chapel services, and maybe you showed up today because you heard of all of my disease healing that was occurring this last week and the weeks before. I don't remember doing any miraculous healings, and I don't necessarily remember any casting out of demons this week specifically. But wouldn't that be great that that would be why people would end up coming to my sermons. Well, that's not why you're here, obviously. But think about this context. Over the past 400 years, essentially God's voice or prophetic voice has not really been heard from the people. I mean, sure, they could go back and read the Torah and, and, and hear God as he spoke through the prophets long ago, but Roughly 400 years now have passed, and the people had not heard anything new from God. There were religiously zealous folks in the area whose hearts were in tune with God, and there were those who were religiously zealous after God, but whose hearts were far from Him. There were those who were religiously zealous, but actually more zealous about overthrowing the Roman government. There were people who were oppressed, and there were people who were doing the oppressions. There was those who were wealthy, and also those who were extremely poor. It was an eclectic group that was following Jesus. I mean, look, if someone came into McPherson, or even further away, let's say that someone out in uh, liberal Kansas, you heard of all these things that were happening, and... There was a buzz in the town. You wanted to hear what was going on, and maybe you wanted to travel a long distance to see what this person's story was. Are they a prophet? Who is this person that we hear so much about? Well, this is the backdrop of the Sermon on the Mount, which is the beginning of this sermon series, which is the Beatitudes. Jesus gathers his disciples around him, and he looks at the crowd and he says this, is a great opportunity for me to preach and to teach. Jesus saw this larger eclectic audience, and it's not lost on him that he has an opportunity as well. So let's read what happened in Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and began to teach them. And he said, Blessed are the poor, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. 
Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, none of the gospel writers mention this. But thinking back of the symbolism of Jesus going up on a mountainside and there giving people God's word, telling them about the kingdom of God, this is what God is all about. And I just picture Moses on the mountainside coming down and instructing the people. Jesus, in the same way, he's on the mountainside and he's bringing them God's words. Now look, he had been in Galilee. He had been teaching in the synagogues the good news of the kingdom. And now his influence is spreading. His influence is spreading. And now Jesus has an opportunity to capitalize on this larger crowd. Now remember, chapter 4, verses 20, 25, it says, Large crowds from Galilee, from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. This wasn't like a little town event. This was an entire regional event. People were coming from great distances just to hear, just to see, just to experience who this Jesus was. Jesus took this opportunity and he told them, this is what you can expect regarding the kingdom of heaven. Now, Pastor John's going to maybe talk about the nuances. Uh, spoiler alert, John, if you're listening, right? So he might talk on the differences or the similarities between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven because the two um, are very closely, if not completely related. But I'm going to save that for him if he wants to cover that. No pressure. No pressure. <laughs> but Jesus is allowing now an invitation for those who have traveled and who are following him, who are not his disciples, but they might become their, his disciples. And he gives them an opportunity to reevaluate their lives and determine whether or not there are areas in their lives that are not lining up with this new kingdom that Jesus is bringing. Make no, make, uh, make no mistake about this. The Beatitudes are not about perfection, but it's all about grace. It isn't about being good enough. It's about grace. And Jesus' message about grace and embraces those who are willing to at least humble themselves and recognize that they fall short in their lives day after day. And this message also acknowledges that people must align themselves with God, even in practice if they haven't reached perfection yet. And it also means that when they fall short, when they recognize that they are sinful, that they are humble enough to acknowledge it. But let's notice the posture that Jesus takes first and foremost. He goes and he sits. Normally, I think 
in our minds, some of us can think Jesus was upstanding and he was preaching and lording it over the people in a position of authority. And certainly Jesus was authoritative. His words were authoritative. And he was a teacher. But he aligns himself with a common practice that the scribes would take, which would be to sit. This was a common Jewish practice. And it also shows a great amount of humility that Jesus sits among the people as well as he is sharing this message. Theologian Dr. Michael Wilkins said it this way. He said, each of Jesus' beatitudes contains an explicit pronouncement of invitation to those seemingly unworthy of the kingdom, but each also contains an implicit pronouncement of condemnation of those who think themselves to be worthy but are not. This message is hitting everybody that's there. It isn't like, oh, well, that message doesn't apply to me. Um, oh, that, that one definitely does. But maybe this is one of the big reasons why Jesus takes his time to conduct his teaching here and now. There was a lot of misunderstandings among the people about the heart of God and what did God expect of the people and what are God's laws? What does he expect from us? This conception or this idea that people had about obeying these laws, their hearts were missing the intent behind the laws in the first place. Now, we talked about this a few months ago. Uh, sometimes we can believe something to be true when it is actually a lie, right? You remember the sermon series, Four Truths and a Lie? Hopefully, if you haven't, go back and listen to it. But sometimes we, we hear something that sounds so true, but it is actually a lie. And this is what was happening to the people, right? The Pharisees, the teachers of the law, were creating additional rules and laws to prevent people from breaking God's laws. So think about it this way, all right? I'll just use a terrible example. Let's say that making a U-turn on Main Street between 1st Avenue and A Avenue is illegal. Now, some of you are already thinking, yeah, it is already illegal. It's a double yellow line all the way through. You can't do a U-turn on Main Street from 1st Avenue to A Avenue. I'm pretty sure you can't even do a U-turn all the way up north, all the way to south. It's illegal. But let's just say it is illegal, all right? And so to prevent people, because we know that you are so bent on making those U-turns on Main Street, we're just going to have to say the new rule that we're imposing is that you can only go south on Main Street. And, and because we know your hearts are so bent on evil and doing those U-turns, and now we realize how evil your hearts are bent on going north as well, we're just going to go ahead and close off the entire road from 1st Avenue to A Avenue on Main Street because we know that your hearts are so corrupt and that you want to do those U-turns and then you also want to do uh, going north as well. Right? Do you see how ridiculous that is? And after a few generations go by, no one's on Main Street. It's this nice road, and everyone's like, huh, well, I guess we can't go on Main Street and drive anymore. All right. And then maybe now we're not allowed to even walk on it because that would be forbidden as well. Do you see how ridiculous these rules are? But after a while, people just come to accept it. And so if you walk on Main Street, then you're breaking the law. But that wasn't the intent at all. The issue was, don't do a U-turn. That's the issue. All right, that was, that was a terrible example, all right? But Jesus is now starting to readjust people's hearts and their minds. 
He's trying to readjust them to see, look, this is ultimately what God's desires are. If you want to know more about God's kingdom, then these beatitudes are a glimpse of what it's all about. These are truths that are pointing to God. I know that you are not going to be perfect in attaining these things, but you weren't able to keep the other laws either. But this is getting you closer to understand God's heart. Look no further than these beatitudes in order to see God's heart. And understand that if you do this, you can expect this in return. It's almost a formulaic uh, way of speaking, right? If, say, you want to stop stubbing your toe on the bed in the middle of the night when you have to get up responding to a child hypothetically, right? You would need to put on boots as soon as you get out of bed so that you don't stub your toe. Okay, that's a terrible example as well. I'm full of terrible examples today. You're welcome. But let's say uh, you want to avoid alcoholism. Don't drink alcohol. If you want to not be an alcoholic, don't drink alcohol. Hey, right? It's a concept. If you don't want to do this, then do this. It's formulaic. Jesus is saying, look, if you do this, blessed are you. This, then, is what you can expect. You might not experience it right now, but you will definitely experience it within the kingdom of heaven. So... What you've been doing has not been working. You're going to have to rearrange your lives and your thoughts, your attitudes, and then you'll be able to experience this kingdom. So, for all of you who are in confirmation right now, I'm going to bless you by giving you the answers for your confirmation sheets. And in doing so, I'm also giving a summary to the rest of the congregation. Here you go. The main point of the message or the theme, the big idea of the sermon, was to explain the reasons for why Jesus is conducting the teaching here on the Sermon on the Mount, which is, number one, Jesus intended this teaching to be for the disciples, but also for all the rest of the people who were gathered there. Number two, the way he taught showed humility. He sat among the people. Number three, Jesus was addressing the wrong ways of thinking, and now he was addressing the right way of thinking in order to align people's minds and hearts with God's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. Four, he wanted everyone to understand, right, this kingdom of heaven what it was all about, and what they can expect. So I combined three and four together. But it's up there. They're, they're separate, so you'll get those notes. And number five, these teachings are practical. If you do this, you can expect this. Blessed are you when this happens, for this then is the result. All truth is God's truth. And... Jesus presents this to the crowd, and it's consistent with the heart of God. So here's the challenge that we can walk away with this morning. How can we apply this? Because I didn't really teach you anything about the Beatitudes. I told you the context because this is an introduction to the Beatitudes. But what's our challenge today? As we go throughout our day, 
we think about what, where, who are our spheres of influence. So not just by our example, but but our intentionality with our words, being proactive to reaching out to those who are in our workspace, in our schools, people that we hang out with during the week. Share about how you're seeing God at work in your life. Are you keeping those things to yourself? Or are you afraid that you might offend someone if you express what God has done in your life? Is our life reflecting the goodness of God and his grace and love to those whom God has placed in front of us or around us? We're not going to miss those opportunities because when we have these conversations, we have them with believers, we have them with non-believers, but we also have to realize who else is listening? Who else might need to be pulled into this conversation And as you come next week, and for many more weeks to come, I would encourage all of you to take seriously these challenges that Jesus is doing within these Beatitudes, that once we experience those things, we are experiencing God's heart, and we're experiencing just a little bit more about what the kingdom of heaven is all about. Let's pray. God, we appreciate you, we love you, and we thank you that you continue to invite us closer to you, that through your son, Jesus, we can experience more of who you are. God, that you gave us a glimpse of who you are because you showed up here on earth, you lived with us and among us, you taught us, we experienced you, and we can know you more because of you, the fact that you showed up. So God, continue to help our minds and our hearts to be in tuned with who you are placing in front of us. How are we using our spheres of influence to be able to promote and bless your name throughout not just our towns, but through our region. God, so that your kingdom will come. I pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.